six minutes after the hour. This is the Around the House program. Good to have you with us, and we are glad uh, you're taking some time out from your busy Rocky Mountain weekend to spend time on the uh, listening to the radio here. We'd love it if you check in with us. You can call the program at 719-473-1240, or there's live email at aroundthehouse.com. I'll see it right here in the studio. My name is Ken Moon. We've been doing this now going on in our in our. Um, what are we in, in our 30th year, I guess, our 30th anniversary in November. So it's been a while, and I love doing this on a Saturday. It kind of makes my week and ends it on a high plane, if you will. And we're so glad you're with us here. Thanks to you and our great sponsors and and our uh, flagship station here, KRDO, in the Springs. And so uh, come on aboard. Check in with us. We'd love to hear from you, whatever's going on around that place that you call home, that special place, and we'll kick things around a lot of great email came in this week so we'll do that in a little bit and i've got a a thing in the wall street journal about about the electric grid we've talked about this the last few weeks and there's some concerns here which i know you probably uh, don't need one more thing to worry about but this is an interesting take on what's going on anyway i want to start with this is a a friend of mine a dear friend of mine sent these there this is a the subject of the email is laws of reality. You may have heard of some of these. Some of these are pretty cute, actually. And these are laws of real life that you and I encounter all the time. Okay, here, like this kind of an idea. Law of mechanical repair. After your hands become coated with grease, your nose will begin to itch and you'll have to pee, right? Law of gravity. Any tool when dropped will roll to the least accessible corner. I have a workbench, and everything I drop goes right under the workbench uh, to the edge of the wall. Law of probability. The probability of being watched is directly proportional to the stupidity of your act, right? Any any man that's ever done a peed outdoors knows exactly what's what that's all about. Law of random numbers. If you dial a wrong number, you never get a voicemail message, and someone always answers, right? Law of the alibi. If you tell the boss you were late for work because you had a flat tire, the very next morning, you'll get a flat tire. Law of the bath. When the body is fully immersed in water, the telephone rings. Well, with cell phones, I guess it's not a huge deal. The law of close encounters. I like this one because there's some real life encased in this one. The probability of meeting someone you know increases dramatically when you're with someone you don't want to be seen with. Law of the result. When you try to prove to someone that a machine won't work, it will. Or the converse is something you know works really nicely, you demonstrate it, and it doesn't work. You know know all that. Law of biomechanics. The severity of the itch is inversely proportional to the reach, right? Something will itch that you can't get to. Law of the theater. At any event, the people whose seats are furthest from the aisle arrived last. Boy, have I seen that one. The Starbucks law. As soon as you sit down to a cup of hot coffee, your boss will ask you to do something which will last until the coffee's cold. This one I've I've definitely, uh, it's been in my life, Murphy's Law of Lockers. If there are only two people in a locker room, they'll have adjacent lockers. (laughs) Exactly. And the other guy will be naked, which really drives me nuts. Anyway. Law of physical surfaces. The chances of an open-faced jam sandwich landing face down on a floor covering are directly correlated to the newness and cost of the carpet. 
got three or four more of these. Brown's Law of Physical Appearance. This is a one of these, hmm, if the shoe fits, it's ugly. There you go for you women out there. Wil- Wilson's Law of Commercial Marketing Strategy. Again, part of my life, as soon as you find a product that you really like, they'll stop making it, right? seen that before doctor's law if you don't feel well make an appointment to go to the doctor by the time you get there you'll feel better if you don't make an appointment then you'll stay you'll stay sick and the best is last year the law of logical argument anything is possible if you don't know what you're talking about how often we see that in politics today right 719-473-1240 i thought you might enjoy some of those are you know, the Murphy's Law, if anything can go wrong, it will. Isn't that the capsulization of Murphy's Law? That's that. All of those kind of en- encompass the basic law, which is Murphy's Law, right? So there you go. 719-473-1240 is the, uh, is the telephone number. If you want to give us a holler, we'd love to hear from you today. Uh, this is from Annie, uh, and this is something that um, uh, I haven't talked about for a while. Uh, this is an interesting uh, question because there's some science here and some marketing and and that kind of thing and we'll we'll let's kick this around a little bit i saw an ad says annie for uh, a non-salt water treatment uh, device do you like these i know the product you mean is heavily advertised on national talk show uh by national talk show personalities radio and tv it softens the water by implication but it's it it's it just it's hard to believe that it would really work because we this generally involved magnets and water going by in a pipe and those kinds of things so generally i would avoid these you, you just have to follow the science as they say in politics these days magnesium and calcium ions are what make water hard and you got to remove those ions Having a magnet or some kind of electronic device strapped to a pipe is just not going to get the job done, particularly because water flows through pipes from 30 to 40 miles an hour. So I think the conventional water softener is the way to go. I really believe in that. The chemistry is is uh, long touted as, you know, it works really well because it relies on basic inorganic chemistry. You just exchange magnesium and calcium ions for sodium ions and boom you have soft water for your house for bathing and shampooing and cleaning dishes and your dishes will sparkle in the dishwasher now and doesn't take as much detergent to wash your laundry and all that so um you um you really should stick with the traditional water softening annie now there are some different versions uh, of of that that requires different kinds of salts but the basic sodium ion exchange is really the way the way to go and these water softeners aren't terribly expensive they're easy to plumb into an existing water system if you if anybody in your family has skills with uh with uh, pipe wrenches and and you know basic plumbing kinds of skills and uh, so i would start with the hot water and just give that a try and see what happens some people to soften the hot water only and since showering bathing shampooing laundry and dishwashing all use more hot water than cold water sometimes just softening the hot water will be all you'll need uh, to do now if you're in a really like out in the country someplace and have extra hard water you'll want to do both hot and cold in that case you probably want to take one more step you don't want to drink 
water with extra sodium in it. Now, there's not a lot of extra sodium in softened water, but there is some. And, you know, if you have high blood pressure propensities, you want to get rid of that sodium. And the way to do that is with a reverse osmosis device under your kitchen sink to run into your ice maker in the cold water side of your of your uh, kitchen sink and then you can get water for your coffee and to water your plants and water for the cats and dogs uh, and your ice maker water uh, through the reverse osmosis which will take the sodium ions out that you put in to soften the water so that's the way to go an ro reverse osmosis system people in places like oh most of the cities in texas phoenix tucson places like that with brackish hard water almost everybody has an ro system under their kitchen sink and they work pretty well and again they're not very expensive and they're easy to plumb into your system very homeowner friendly so uh, that's the story but i would stick with a traditional ion exchange sodium ion exchange water softener at your house i think you'll be glad you did 719-473-1240 we'll take a break be back with more of this week's great email right after this on around the house From your faucet to your furnace and everywhere in between, Ken Moon has solutions around the house. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. Thank you, my uh, good lady. I appreciate it. I love her. I like her voice. More and more. What's her name? Laura. Very nice voice. Anyway, I'm into voices. I'm into radio, of course. Voices are a big deal to us. 20 minutes after uh, the hour of Chris. Moore was talking about water heaters. Is one of his house is starting to fail? Is is it leaking out the bottom, or what's going on with it? It was just though the it just wasn't heating up to the warm temperatures. We had to adjust the temperature on it. If you have to keep turning it up and up and up, you might just drain it and and scour you know blow cold water in and scour the crap off the bottom of the tank, and that might help. Okay, because it's it, I mean, there. It's, I go it's again 15. with that c word. I should say crud. Yeah. Right. Gunk. Yeah. Gunk. Gunk, yeah, but yeah, it's 15 years old also, so yeah. it's starting to get in that. People ask window. about ages of water heaters. 15 to 20 is about all you can expect. And, it, and you reminded me, thank you, Chris, for reminding me, a friend of mine, a, a lady friend of mine who lives by herself, got ripped off this week. And I want to rem- tell you, the audience, I'm not going to tell you by whom, but she was sold a $4,000 water heater. And she it's in. She paid the money. What are you going to do? But uh, a water heater these days should cost somewhere around 1500 bucks, give or take, 1200 something like that. Because you can buy a water heater in a box. Uh, what are what are they, guys? About $400, $400 in, a, in a cardboard box at Lowe's. So you pay a plumber 11 12 1300 bucks, give or take, something like that. Maybe as much as 15 but that's all. So this... Yeah, this was not a tankless water heater. That's my next email, a tankless water. This is just a traditional tank water heater. Uh, And um, so, guys, before you spend the kind of money, call me. Please call me and get two or three other estimates if you can't reach me to make sure you're not getting taken advantage of. Let me give you some, just throw some figures out. These are just totally off the top of my head. Water heaters, 1500 bucks ish give or take. Furnaces, oh, 4000 give or take. Air conditioning, uh, the same, roughly, 3500 to 4500 something like that. So that those are kind of <clears throat> kind of figures to shoot for 
when you're getting something done at your house. So, man, 4000 for a water heater. She should have been able to get three for that, for that price. Speaking of water heaters, Dennis <clears throat> said, you told a guy in your show not to buy a tankless water heater. I have one. I love it. I love the endless hot water. Why are you so against them? Good question, Dennis. For me, they're simply too expensive. Uh, plus, I'm getting feedback, and my son has one, and they it takes a long time to get hot water because you turn the hot water faucet on, and you get sort of warmish water, warmish water, warmish water until the water heater kicks on, and then you have to wait for more water to come in. So takes a while to get hot water so you, you do waste water and that's but that's not the big knock on them the expensive and they need ongoing maintenance they do tend to scale up and need at least an annual checkout by a plumber and there's you know two or three hundred bucks to get them cleaned out and so and so on but i don't think they give a good return on investment when you spend that kind of money theoretically to save energy uh i i think it takes too long to get your money back they're about three grand for a tankless water heater, give or take, maybe a little more. I haven't checked prices in in a while. Where you can get a regular water heater, as we just said, for oh twelve to fifteen hundred bucks. So th- there you go. Um, and and here's the arithmetic with a tankless water heater. The theory is you're not heating a twenty four seven tank of hot water that you just have hot water on demand, and that's fine. Let's say that your gas bill is uh, if you look at your natural gas bill in the summer, that's kind of your hot water. So let's say it's 25 to $30 a month. And let's assume you can cut that by a third by getting a tankless water heater. So if you do the math, a simple arithmetic, it'll take 15 years or more to pay for the initial extra capital expense for the tankless water heater. That's the difference between the 3000 and, the, and what, what a regular water heater will cost you, that's before you save a nickel because you have to recover that extra outlay before you start saving money. That's too long for me. Why not take the extra money and go out to dinner and you know go to a movie and spend it in the local economy instead? Because most people, younger people at least, don't stay in their houses 15 years. So what happens is you buy a tankless water heater, put all that money out, and future buyers get to get the advantage of the energy savings because you're not you're just not spending that much money per month to heat water. So that's kind of my take, Dennis, on uh, on water heaters. Now, where they do make there's a couple couple of venues where they do make sense. If it's in a brand new house where you can roll the three thousand into your mortgage payments, well, okay, so it's another you know 35 uh, to 50 cents a month or a buck whatever it I, you know whatever it would be to have a $3000 water heater and a 30 year mortgage you know a buck or two something like that let's say so that makes sense because you don't even see the extra expense and you start saving money right away so that's one uh example of where they kind of make sense uh, other if you have a horse barn where you need hot water just once in a while or some kind of outdoor building or you want hot water but not very often, or you have a, a mountain cabin uh, or a place in the mountains where you uh, you go up there a couple times a month, those those kinds of venues, tankless water heaters uh, make sense, uh, right? So, uh, so, But otherwise, for just us regular city folk here, I think that three grand price is too much for me. So 
that's kind of the, my feedback on tankless water heaters. In, theor- in theory, it's a good idea. But many of these energy-saving schemes, I say schemes, I don't mean that pejoratively, but many of these plans that people have to save energy end up uh, with lousy arithmetic. It takes too long to recover your car. My classic example are the solar panels at the South Gate of the Air Force Academy. They cost $20 bucks when they put them in. It'll save a million dollars a year, so they won't realize savings for 20 years, and at that time, the panels will be worn out and have to be replaced. So... That's the kind of silliness to save the planet or go green. I'm using air quotes here that don't make any sense. you got to do the arithmetic. Now, I'll tell you where the arithmetic does pay off. Get new windows, new attic insulation, a new furnace. Then the paybacks are down in the six to eight or nine years. Then that makes sense to spend money. But a tankless water heater would be very low on my priority to save to save energy. 719 473 1240 uh, is our uh, telephone number, and we'd love to hear from you uh, today. Let's see, a week from tomorrow. Change the clocks, don't we, Chris? Is, is yes. It the 12th? Mm-hmm. Let's see. What, uh, uh, yeah, 12th. So it'll feel like spring is here. I've got a couple discussions going with people this week about changing clocks. Nobody, I haven't run into people that like it. Do you guys? Uh, I mean, it, I put up with it, but it seems kind of silly. Yeah. And uh, my kids live in Phoenix, and they kind of tease us about changing our clocks. And you, you th- I can feel the cultural trend is is in the direction of maybe one of these days we won't change clocks, but it's going to take a while because the Congress has to agree on it. And we all know they're working on very important stuff, and it's very hard to get a consensus in Congress because they're all at each other's throats. 24-7, so that may not happen. Colorado, I think, has expressed itself. The legislature said, we want to change this, right? Yeah, I think so. They were looking at possibly going uh, daylight saving time full-time. Right. The idea of having sunsets before 4.30 here, you know, it's... Well, the pro- <laughs> yeah, the problem is that the because they're politicians, they compromise their way into making the wrong decision. If you're going to pick a year on time, you really should pick standard time because that's how all this got started. The standard meridians, four of them, were the were, were the meridian in each time zone where the sun is at 12 o'clock noon and the center of the time zone would be a little more appropriate because if you stay with daylight instead of standard time in the winter, uh, it doesn't get light till uh, 8.30 in the morning. So yeah, then you have the problem with kids. Going kids to going to school, and so yeah, you're yeah. you're kind of weighing both options at this. But point. the railroads, pardon me, the railroads started all this, and they picked standard time zones at the middle of each of the time zones, the particular longitude lines, as twelve noon, uh, where the sun is, uh, you know, where the sun is at twelve noon every day, and uh, so anyway, it it looks like the it's heading in the direction of. Uh, of year-round time of some kind, right? One way or the other. 719-473-1240. So I predict in 10 years or maybe a little more, we won't be changing the clocks. But again, don't wait. sooner. What do they say? Don't wait underwater. We'll see, we'll see what happens. Let's take a break. Now we'll be back with your phone calls right after this and more of this week's great email and a, a thing about the electric grid you're not going to want to hear. We'll do that right after this. 
want to talk to you about Click Heating and Air. Now, Jim, the owner of Click, has not told me otherwise, so I'm assuming he still has a limited supply of those 13-seer air conditioners available. Once these are gone and new federal regulations kick in, you'll be paying over 1000 bucks more to get central air at your house. So don't wait. Call Click today at 719 719- 782-5425. You want central air. I know you do. Who wants to go through another sweltering summer? Life's too short not to have central air, but you want to do it now. Sign up for it now with Click before these 13-seer air conditioners are gone and the new regulations kick in. It'll cost more money, obviously. You don't want to pay a 1000 bucks more when you can buy them at a reasonable price now. Buy one uh, from Click. So get the system in. Get in the queue now. Call them and and uh, reserve one of these 13-seer systems at clickheatingandair.com or 719-782-5425. Get central air at your house before the prices go up with Click. From your roof to your foundation and everywhere in between, Ken Moon has solutions around the house. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. Welcome back to the program. It's 25 before the hour. I've got a piece. I'm, I'm going to just tease you a little. We tease in the radio business to keep to make sure you uh, stay tuned. There's a piece from the uh, from the Monday's uh, Wall Street Journal. And the title, the headline is SOS for the U.S. Electric Grid. And I think you're going to want to hear this. We've been talking about this uh, almost every week for a while about how Crazy it is that we're mandating uh, electric homes, electric, we're encouraging electric cars, and we're shutting down electric power plants, and we're going to pay the piper sooner rather than later. So uh, we'll we'll do that here in um, in uh, oh I don't know maybe the next segment 15, 10, 15 minutes that kind of thing. I like to have you to talk about the previews of what's coming up. Also, we have a a, a major town in this country is banning natural gas hookups. And this will come to a town near you before you know it. And um, and, and that's going to be um, a bad deal because you'll have to heat and cool your house electrically for sure. We have, we have a call? Let's take, uh, let's take line one here and talk to Pat. You're on the air uh, with Ken Moon around Hi, the house. I, Hi. Hi. Um I wanted to ask about whole house water conditioning. We have very bad tasting water. Just bought this house recently. Uh huh. Um, and we just don't like the taste of the water at all. When I take a bath, I get the sediment in the bottom of the tub. Wow. And um, yeah. <laughs> are, Pat, are you on a city water or a well or what? What kind of water supply do you have? Some kind of city water. What, what part of town are you in? Falcon. Falcon, okay, and you you do have the Meridian Ranch water system. There, I, I can't remember the exact name of the system out there, but I yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Um, is this a newer house or older house? It's older. It's uh, twenty years old. Yeah, and when you when you run the water into the tap, does it kind of smell funny? Sometimes. Yeah, we get a lot of of disinfectant stuff. In you, there, I looked it up online on that. Um, I can't remember the the website yeah. name, but it's uh, it tells you about what's in your water, what, what contaminants are in your water. Yeah, that can that would scare anybody to read that because there's trace yeah. amounts of almost every chemical known to man. Uh, you're home now, right? No, I'm in my car. Oh, I'm I, sorry. I, I, what I want, I'm safe. But what, what's that? 
I'm pulled off the road. I'm safe. No, no, you're well. Car. No, I was wondering if you were home, you could go to one of the toilets and take the the cover off the toilet tank. I'd love to see what's in the bottom of your toilet tank. If there's a bunch yeah, of sand we, and we grit in there. We replaced all the toilets just a couple months ago. Say again. We replaced all the toilets. Just okay, a very good. Ago, so there's not going to be sediment in there. Well, here's what I would start with. Your first complaint to me was taste. So I would get a reverse osmosis system. Uh, at your kitchen sink. I just talked about those uh, under your yeah. kitchen sink. I, it, it will really improve the taste because there's a charcoal filter in there, which takes out a lot of the of the crud in the water. And uh, the reverse osmosis will get rid of uh, whatever is affecting the taste, which can be chemicals, ions, uh, disinfectant, like you were talking about, chlorine uh, is the main one. And if there's any bacteria or any kind of uh, organisms or organic material in there that's making it taste funny all that will go away so you can do your you know you can drink your drinking water can be out of the kitchen uh your plants your mm -hmm. pets ice maker if you can hook up the ice maker to it that'll really help with good tasting uh good tasting water uh and my kids in phoenix as i mentioned all have ro systems reverse osmosis systems and they uh and they really work nicely so that would be the first thing I would do. Do you happen to know if your water is hard or soft out there? Do you have any idea? It's hard. Yeah, we've had a couple of different companies come out and test it. Yeah. And uh, it's about five to six on the hardness scale. Well, we don't really talk about hard water till we get to seven. Now, let me ask, uh, I, I'll just ask you to kind of go through the list here. Do you have a lot of scale mm -hmm. and junk around your faucets? Yes. Do you, do you have a hard time... Take washing clothes, shampooing, bathing, take extra soap yes, and that kind of thing. All of the above. All of the above. Well, you also then might want to incorporate stains on the on the glass shower walls, yeah. everything. How's the how's your glassware out of your dishwasher? Um it, it, sometimes it's spotted. We use one of those uh uh spot remover things. Right, right. The the uh softener uh, it's called what's the word i'm thinking uh, of not softener but i know what you mean it's it's a rinse yeah. oh rinse agent rinse aid yeah rinse aid, yeah right well that's that's good i then you probably need if you have scale and problem with soap and washing and so on you might want to put in a water softener also we talked about this half hour ago or so uh, i would put a water softener in oh, I that. uh on no that's fine I, I don't mind going through it again Put a water softener on the hot water side only for now of your house. Use the RO in your kitchen sink, so then you'll be uh, you'll be in great shape for taste and for hardness. Now, if you still have a hardness issue, you can always switch the softener over to the hot and cold water. The reason I don't like to start with that is because if you do hot and cold, you'll be filling your toilets with softened water. I mean, why do that if you don't have to? So I would start with oh, a water softener okay. on the hot water side and the RO system under the kitchen sink, and I think you'll have a, I think you'll really like those two, uh, those two cures, if you will, or those two systems. Okay. 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 Got that. Can uh, I ask another question? Yeah, please. <clears throat> um, it, this is a two-story house, and it has uh, central air and, and uh, heating. We're having trouble balancing the temperature between the lower level and the upper level. Right, it's right. It's got an open stairwell between, and um, there's no really easy way to close that off. Right. To prevent the air from moving, you know, the, the heat from going up and the cool from going down. Right. 
Well, a couple. There's Other a two. I've got. Well, I do have some suggestions. Uh, one of the things that that works really well, if there's a way, and there may not be, but if there's a way, you could put a, a ceiling fan in the upper hallway of that stairwell, and oh, so that yeah, could, we that, could can, that. that could in the winter time. Uh, you can have it blowing down to blow the hot air, hot air, the hotter air, the warm air down, yeah. and, and let it run down into the main level, and then and the furnace can kind of process that. Uh, you can also uh, reverse it in the summertime. One thing also that helps on both summer and winter. Think about this: on the coldest nights when you're home after dinner uh, in the winter, and on the hottest days. After you come home from work, if you turn the furnace fan to the always-on blower position, you yeah. sh- on your yeah. thermostat, there'll be a, a fan control. If you turn that on continuously uh, in the time of day when this is bugging you, like usually in the evenings, that can help mix the air masses up also. That really helps. Okay. Now, well, those are two good suggestions, and and for the water, so more more good suggestions. Well, Thank and you. I have I have one more question, and you may not know this, but you can okay. check it when you get home. I want to make sure because sometimes the builders leave these out. Do you have a cold air return somewhere in your upper level? You know what that is? Several, yes. Good, There's good, several. good. So that'll get that There's gets more circulation. Three I can think of. So okay, good. Yeah. Well, there's some ideas for you. I hope that's helpful. And if uh, if those don't work as well as I think they will, you can sure call back. But uh, I hope I've helped you today. So I'm glad you, you called. Have. You have. Thank you very much, Ken. You got it. Good to hear from you. Thanks for calling, Pat. Seven one nine four seven three twelve forty is the uh, contact number. And if you have some feedback for me of the what we suggested to pat you can do that and uh uh, we can uh, kick things around a little bit so we'll take a uh, we're a little early we'll take a break now just to stay even then i'll start another email on this sos for the electric grid right after this right here on around the house want to talk to you about Dutch's home improvement. We talk about saving energy. Natural gas bills go up as the temperature goes down. We are blessed to be in the Colorado Springs utility regime here or area because our prices are lower than other parts of the country, but they're still high. And so if you have ugly old windows at your house, you want to make sure that Dutch's can get you some new energy efficient vinyl windows. This is the, one of the major things to do to save energy, summer and winter, by the way. If you have central air, you'll have cooler summers when you call Dutch's at 719-392-1369. These Folks have been around over 30 years. They have the best installers in town. Of course, they're fully licensed and insured. And Gary, the owner, his commitment to customer services, I was quite impressed with it. So I want you to give him a call. You can go to DutchesHomeImprovement.com. They've been around, as I say, for a long time, over 30 years. So they're the folks you want to go with when it comes to new energy-efficient vinyl windows at your house. Your house will look younger than its actual age. So I really would encourage you to go to Dutchess. Give them a call, 719-392-1369. Get rid of those old, ugly windows and save energy summer winter with Dutch's Home Improvement. Need help with your next home project? Back to Around the House with Ken Moon. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. It's 11 minutes before the hour. I don't want to start this SOS electric grid uh, Wall Street Journal piece. We'll do it after the top of the hour because I won't have enough time to both read the article and comment on it but it's really a, a little on the scary side based on you and i've been talking about this now for weeks about closing down power plants which makes 
no sense if you think about it. So we'll talk about that after the uh, after the top of the hour. Let's see here. This is a, an email from uh, from uh, Renee. Uh, she lives in an old house, 1925. We're worried about mold and lead paint. Do you know of people that check out that can check out the house? Checking for mold. I think we've talked about this before. Can be problematic. Because the spores gather in colonies and they move from place to place. So you really, if you get a positive test over here, it may be low over there, positive, false positives, false negatives. So you get the idea. It, it, you don't really get a good picture. The picture you want is can you see mold? Now, in an old house like this, I guarantee you there's mold in hidden spaces all over the place. But if you can't see it, it's not part of the indoor air uh, environment. So you need to check uh, 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 areas of plumbing fixtures behind the washing machine, behind toilets, under lavatories, under the kitchen sink, obvious places where water intrusion can uh, can create mold. The good news is that mold, in order to survive, needs moisture, which in other parts of the country, like the southeast of the United States, where there's high humidity, mold thrives there. Uh, there are some southern states where mold is the actual state flower, I've heard. So, uh, you know, it's it, that can be a, a problem down south. But around here, it's so dry that mold doesn't really get a foothold. If you see it, it's easy. You simply uh, kill it, clean it, and seal it. That's if you see mold. Kill it with hydrogen peroxide or a, ble- a little bleach in water. Uh, let it dry, uh, and, and, and then you can... Um, Seal it over after you, you know, wipe it down and throw the towels away, paper towels. You can throw them, just throw them in the trash. And then uh, seal it, kill it, and uh, seal it with kills like uh, kills or bullseye one, two, three, which are shellac-based primers that will really kill the mold spore and and cover the stain so you can paint right over it. So that's that's basically, uh, basically what you do. Kill it and seal it and then repaint to your heart's content. So... Uh, Renee, you need to look around. Listen, you'll probably see mold here and there. Uh, if you have old piping, if they haven't replaced the water piping in this old house, that can also be uh, a source of of moisture uh, and uh, which can produce mold in the house. The big problem. Yes, go ahead. I just I just had a question on that. What if the mold gets into the insulation behind? Uh- if the insulation is sealed in behind sheetrock or plaster walls, it really doesn't okay. doesn't matter if you can't see it. But if you if in places like crawl spaces where you can see it, mm-hmm. you need to get rid of it. Just pull the insulation out, yeah, because you can't uh, you can't really do much about that. Um, the the big problem in these really old houses is a lack of ventilation. In those days, they put these old stone foundations in, or even uh, brick foundations, and no windows in the basement or not very few. Uh, and that's where you get that musty smell in older houses. Uh, you need to kind of get air circulation in those in those areas, particularly the basements. Uh, and you can install ventilation fans down there. You can get an old, uh, you can get, I say an old, you can get a, a bath fan and, and ventilate these old spaces by sucking air drier, more fresh air from the upstairs spaces down through the basement and outdoors. Does it waste a little energy? Yeah, I guess it does, but it'll sweeten up the indoor air right away. And that sometimes you get high humidity in these old basements, and that's where you get crumbling of the mortar and the plaster on the foundations, and that's all kind of 
kind of circular and uh, self-fulfilling, if you will. So ventilate if your if your basement in an old house smells musty then it probably needs some ventilation. You can do this an hour or two a day. You can plug a, a bath fan into a timer and run the output of the bath fan uh, outdoors through a, uh, through the side of the sidewall and just get that air circulation down there. You don't have to do it 24-7. Just a couple hours a day would work. So that's kind of the story on mold. It's kind of a quick and dirty analysis of mold. R- lead paint, if you have a 1925 house, I guarantee there's lead paint uh under the layers of paint you have now, plus maybe some asbestos in plaster. The 20s were kind of the high point of asbestos in plaster. We used it as a binder. We weren't aware of the risks of asbestos like we are now, or we didn't worry about it, one of the one of the two, I guess. But I guarantee you there's some asbestos and lead paint in the walls and ceiling surfaces of a 1925 house. So again, you keep them well-sealed, Keep putting new layers of acrylic latex paint over what you have now, and uh, the lead paint will not be an issue. Well, lead paint in uh, places, you hear these stories about tenements and in old cities like Chicago. Uh, the window sills and jams and window frames can be a problem because the windows go up and down and they, they can scratch that wood and release lead paint particles into the air. And, of course, kids are really impacted by lead paint. So if you don't have new windows and new window frames and jams and window sills, you might want to uh, get that done because uh, that will, will make the house uh, safer from any lead paint intrusion for sure. But I guarantee you, up until we had lead paint with us uh, up until the realtors uh, say 1978, that's kind of the government reg on lead paint, it was pretty well gone before that. It was gone in the early 70s because the government standards for painting houses, the FHA and VA standards, changed in the early 70s. So lead paint, for all practical purposes, was gone, uh, at, at least in government-financed housing in the early 70s. In the Colorado Springs area, that's uh, pretty much all of our houses in those days. Uh, but the realtors, just to be on the safe side, say 1978. Lead, uh, asbestos in drywall treatment products, you know, drywall taping, mud, and, and texturing products was gone kind of in the mid-70s and later. So, again, if you have houses, uh, if your house is built in the 70s or earlier, you assume you have lead paint, assume you have some asbestos in the drywall, and take action accordingly so that we don't worry about this if the surfaces are well sealed, we only worry about it if you start knocking walls down, cutting holes, remodeling. <clears throat> Maybe you're changing your uh, three-bedroom house into a big master and one-bedroom. You get the idea. So if you start remodeling, you want to protect yourself, wear protection, goggles, masks, uh, keep surfaces wet and, uh, and seal, tent off the rest of the house. And all you can, get, you can see all these precautions online. There's a lot of YouTube videos about this. But keeping things damp or moist is the way to keep the fibers of asbestos and any lead paint residue uh, from uh, and mold, for that matter, out of the indoor air environment. Because you don't want this, these, these hazards to be in your, uh, in your uh, drapes and carpet and kitchen cabinets and that, uh, and that kind of thing. Real quick here, Alan says our house is built in 07, stucco house, several small nail heads which are causing rust streaks down the stucco. How do I get rid of that? Well, 
uh, I would just take a nail set and tap them so they are recessed a quarter inch or give or take and use some lightweight acrylic spackling. Use the same spackling you use inside. You can use outside and fill the holes level with the surface. Uh, and then you can dab them with some latex exterior flat paint with stucco. We want to paint stucco. We want to use flat paint because stucco is flat, of course. Uh, you can also, um, uh, if, you know, once the spackling uh, has dried, if you if there are bigger areas, you can get a little paper towel and dip it in the spackling and, and touch it with a paper towel or a sponge to create kind of a textured look. Let that dry and then put your latex paint right over the top. So that's uh, that's that's the way to handle that uh what if you have a stucco house it's a good idea to have a gallon of matching paint on hand anyway again get flat exterior latex uh house paint the best you can afford you know, the, the best within each given brand the most expensive is what it amounts to but acrylic latex exterior house paint flat finish to match your stucco then if kids hit it with a baseball or something or your dings and nicks here and there you can touch up the stucco as well as your rusty nail spots so thank you alan for that email we're going to take a break then at the beginning of next hour after we get set up for the for the hour i want to talk about the electric grid and this interesting piece in the wall street journal this week so stick around 719-473-1240 and live email at aroundthehouse.com we'll see you right after the news It's 2.06, six minutes after the hour in the uh, in the uh, Rocky Mountain West. This is the Around the House program. Hour number two. Glad you're with us. We'd love it if you join in the festivities at 719-473-1240. That's our contact line, and we're delighted that you're spending a little time with us here. Got the podcast report, Chris and Matt, this week, and I'm still leading the pack, which is good. Thank you for, I didn't mention that the first hour, downloading the podcast and using them and, and uh, taking advantage of our a podcasting so that's really great so you can do that at aroundthehouse.com listen to podcasts or go right to the krdo site and download the podcast chris will have the this one up here a couple hours after we go off the air and we go all the way back to the first weekend in july was our was our kind of debut here for our colorado springs based program and colorado springs and casper and pueblo let's don't forget pueblo let's don't forget the arkansas valley where else Canyon City? Any, did I forget anybody else? Monument? Yeah. yeah, there you, yeah. El Paso, Teller, Pueblo counties, and points south, I guess, something uh-huh. like that. Anyway, good to have you with us here. Wherever you're listening, we'd love to have you check in with us on the program. But this was in the Monday Wall Street Journal, and it really caught my attention because we've been talking about this on the program uh, uh, for some time now. The title is SOS. For the U.S. electric grid, and this is something you ought to be kind of worried about. And here's the piece. It's not a real long one, so I'll just read this. Wall Street Journal, and who's this? Who's the author? Oh, it's the editorial board, so it's a house editorial. The warnings keep coming that the force-fed energy transition to renewables is destabilizing the electric grid in the U.S., but is anybody in government paying attention? Another SOS came Friday. This would be a week ago Friday. 
In an ominous report from PJM Interconnection, one of the nation's largest grid operators, PGM report forecasts power supply and demand through 2030 across the 13 eastern states in its home territory of 65 million people. Its top-line conclusion, listen to this, fossil fuel power plants are retiring much faster than renewable sources are being developed. Hello, Martin Drake in Colorado Springs, which could lead to energy imbalances. That's a delicate way of saying you can expect shortages and blackouts. PJM typically generates a surplus of power owing to its large fossil fuel fleet, which it exports to neighboring grids in the Midwest and Northeast. When wind power plunged in the Midwest and central states last week, which is the week before last, PGM helped fill the gap between supply and demand. That's why it's worrisome that PGM is predicting a large decline in the power reserves as coal and natural gas plants retire. The report forecasts that 40,000 megawatts of power generation, enough for 30 million houses, are at risk of retiring by 2030, which is 21% of their generation capacity. Most projected power plant closings are, here we go, policy-driven. For example, the steep cost of complying with EPA regs, including a proposed good neighbor rule that expected to be finalized next month, will force about 10,500 megawatts of fossil fuel generation to shut down. At the same time, utility company ESG, here we go, environmental, social, and government commitments are driving coal plants to close. Illinois and, uh, Illinois and New Jersey climate policies could reduce generation by another 9,000 or so megawatts. Do these states re- plan to rely on their good neighbors for power? There's another problem. Demand for electrical power will increase amid the growth in data centers and the government's push for electrification of vehicles, heating, and everything else. Getting rid of gas stoves is, is, uh, is all part of that. So the report doesn't say this, no doubt, owing to political reticence, but the conclusion is clear. The left's green energy transition is incompatible with a growing economy and improving living standards. Renewables don't provide power 24 hours a day. And the progressive campaign to shut down coal and gas plants that will do invariably, that will, uh, uh, that do rather, let me start over. Renewables don't provide power 24 hours a day. The sun doesn't shine, the wind doesn't blow, that kind of thing. And the progressive campaign to shut down coal and gas plants that do provide the reliability will invariably result in outages. During an Arctic air blast this past December, PJM ordered some businesses to cut power and households to do the same. The, the narrowly avoided rolling blackouts, switching to burning oil, but what will happen when these power plants shut down altogether? A power shortage at PJM can cascade across much of the country. Government officials have been raising alarms about the risks of cyber and physical attacks on the grid, but what about the accelerating danger from climate policies shutting down power plants? So there you go. See, the, the part of this, we have a growing economy. More houses, more people, you've been building houses, more family formation, more demand for, uh, for high-tech equipment. So our, with, if we didn't do anything, uh, our demand for power, if we didn't build another electric car or get rid of another gas stove, we'd still have growing demand for electric power. Electricity is everything. Electricity is life. And we're shutting down these power plants at our own risk. And I'm afraid we're going to have to go through a lot of pain before people will say, hold it, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. But the uh, the people that are 
you know, kind of driving this train of green energy, never say then what? Because they're not science driven, they're feelings driven. And this is another indication. This is a really, that article really got my attention, especially because close to home here in Colorado Springs, Martin Drake was shut down, was it last year? I guess. Now you drive by there every day and they're putting up six gas turbines to replace what they had. Why they didn't leave it online, I don't know. But one of the bottom line considerations is nuclear power. Nuclear power is what we need to go to if you want carbon-free green electricity. But the progressives don't want that either. They want wind and solar and there isn't enough energy density in wind and solar to run a country on. But it's going to require pain before people realize this and start and start protesting and uh, and but then it'll to bring new fossil fuel plants back online or to build new ones will take years. So we we've got trouble in River City coming down coming down our uh, our road here and uh, nobody seems to be particularly panicked about it and uh, get rid of gas stoves, electric heat, electric cars. Where's the power going to come from? So I thought you'd appreciate that the wall street journal once in a while does a good job uh in terms of its uh its analysis of current trends they kind of follow the science when so many other people don't so i thought you'd appreciate that 719-473-1240 here's a get back to our our uh, around the house uh, regular topics here brenda says i spilled nail polish on my new nylon plush carpet Uh uh-oh now what do i do well uh, I'll bet it wasn't clear polish or you wouldn't have written me this email. You could spend hours on the spot using all sorts of chemicals and solvents, but nail polish is one of the few things that just can't easily be removed. If you've tried acetone, uh, which are regular nail polish removers with paper towel, um, you know you can try it. You don't want to rub. You want to blot. Never rub uh, a, a stain in, in carpet. Blot it. If, you, if that hasn't worked for you um uh, i just there's not much else to be done don't spend a lot of time if the if the initial nail polish remover white paper towel or white you know you can get like a white washcloth that kind of thing and simply blot if that doesn't work then you get a carpet layer to come to the house and they can take a patch out of one of your closets and use the material in place of the stained uh of the stained piece okay that's easy to do that's why you always want to carpet your closets when you get new carpeting don't fall for oh i'm going to put in uh, uh, aromatic cedar boards and get my carpet or my closet to smell like a cedar chest that's all well and good until you need a piece of carpet for someplace else so they can good carpet layer can get that patched and it'll be virtually invisible um and um if you uh if if you if you uh, want to your question then might be, what do I do with a hole in the carpet uh, in the closet? Well, you can have the technician, the carpet layer, cut out a chunk along the rear wall so you can add a few cedar boards like I just talked about. So you could take out, you want, you, maybe you're taking a six-by-six six piece for where your nail polish was spilled. Well, you can take out six inches all the way along the carpet, uh, the carpet of the closet wall, put some uh, cedar boards in there. It'll look like it was meant to be so... Now, if, if there's just one of the things you can do that's, eh, you know, I'm hesitant to even talk about this, but I've seen people do it. If you don't have a lot of carpet fibers that are involved in this stain that, you're, that, that, you, that you created with your nail polish, you could take, take some nail scissors or some 
surgical scissors or some kind of fine scissors and try to cut the fibers themselves one at a time out and throw them away and that might just be all you'll need to do because only you'll know where the where the patch is so you can give that a try unless there's a great big blotchy stain in which case have the carpet layer patch it out of your closet and uh you'll you'll like that it'll work out just fine so brenda that's a good email i'm glad i got to talk about that 719-473-1240 we'll be right back right here on around the house give us a call and we have live email at aroundthehouse.com why there's the around the house program with ken moon give him a call now at 719-473-1240 that's 719-473-1240 it's 21 minutes after the hour chris sent me an email and this is after my own heart because i have some of this some of these issues that uh where i live uh chris says i can't take the cars driving by with their loud stereos much longer what can I do to quiet down the house? This is the problem we hear all all over town. Is the world's getting louder day by day as as the stereo uh, technology increases. We get these uh, I don't know a thousand, two thousand watt stereos in cars, something like that, huh? Or even more uh, with the big subwoofers. The only saving grace is those people are probably going deaf and they deserve it. But <laughs> nevertheless, the baseline in these cars is really really incredible. Those. I, it's beyond boom boxes uh, in cars, but um, there are ways to cut this down a little bit, of, of course. Um, it, it almost always, and when you're trying to cut down noise, it almost always involves air spaces. Air space, air is a good insulator for acoustics. Take a look at your windows. We start with the windows on that side of the, I mean, I'm assuming, Chris, you have a noisy side of the house like a like a busy street on one side of the house take a look at the windows especially on that side of the house if you don't have newer of energy efficient windows energy efficiency and noise reduction kind of go hand in hand you could call my friends over there at dutch's home improvement and get a new set of windows on your house that's where most of the noise comes in because windows are nothing but holes in the side of your house you could also add a third glass pane which will give you two complete air spaces by getting the new vinyl windows and then adding a storm window layer on the outside, that third layer of glass will really help also. So that's something to uh, think about. Adding insulation inside of wall cavities uh, can help, but th- this is really kind of a fool's errand. No matter what kind of insulation you might w- try to pump in there, it'll get hung up on wires and pipes and boards and everything else. So I would skip over that step. There's not much you can do. You could add an insulation layer to the outside of your house by putting new siding on your house, uh, like vinyl siding from again from my buddies at Dutch's. They could put a layer of a foam board under the under the vinyl siding, and that will help um, uh, with uh, with noise. But residing your house is a you know a major expense and a, and a major kind of almost life change and that's not something people want to do so the new windows are a big deal um also insulated drapes help uh the uh you know insulated drapes and cellular shades or both can really help with noise as, as you know uh one of the things remember the old joke about uh, a, a guy comes to the mechanic and there's a rattle in his car and they, they search for hours and can't find the rattle. The finally, the mechanic's advice is, the only thing I'd say, turn up the radio, right? So the same thing applies here. If you get white noise going in your bedroom, 
if it interferes with your sleep, that can really help. I have a, a, a HEPA air filter a machine in my bedroom, which provides some white noise, and that does that does help. Uh, some of the modern uh, clock radios have those surf, wind, waterfall sounds, falling rain. That can help drown out uh, some of the noise. Finally, so, th- I mean, I don't have any magic solutions for this, Chris. You could also talk to your local city council person or, or the police or sheriff or whoever has jurisdiction in your area. Uh, there are ordinances against excessive noise, but how do you enforce them? There are decibel levels prescribed in these laws, but you can't enforce it because they'll just turn the stereo down and, and then they'll turn it back up again. So there's no real way to do this. One thing they could enforce, which I don't think is going to happen, but in the New England states, uh, back until I was a young adult, you had to have an annual car inspection. And the car inspection included mufflers, and there were certain mufflers which were, were proscribed. You could not have a certain kind of glass pack or equi-type muffler on your car. And, of course, those days are long gone. And so now these young guys have these super loud mufflers. And that's you could prevent that uh, by having in, inspections, but I don't think we're going to go back to car inspections. I think that's I'm, – I'm dreaming, okay? But you could talk to the police or the city government, uh, and you could – um maybe have a if there's a speed limit on the street uh you might uh you might do something like put in a uh i I can see these um you know around speed limit signs they put these led lights that are flashing to remind people of the speed limits and and that that kind of thing so um and maybe you know i would love i like what they do in in old mexico when they put in uh when they put in uh Speed bumps, even on freeways and boulevards, they have speed bumps every quarter mile or so, which slows everybody down. But that can't be done here, of course. But maybe the city authorities can help with speed limit signs or some other notification well, to slow traffic down. Well, some areas have we've also included roundabouts. So that's exactly yeah. I'm not yeah roundabouts long slow down traffic. Yeah, mm-hmm. every every block if a roundabout in every block we wouldn't have speeding, would we? So, yeah, yeah. So that. The, the the reason I'm talking about speed limits is because with these loud mufflers, these kids rev cars up and they ignore the speed limits and they're going 50, 60 miles an hour in a 35 mile an hour zone. And that's where all the noise uh, comes from. Anyway, um, that's just some comments. I know what you mean. The world's getting louder. And of course, I'm getting older. There may be a correlation there somehow. I'm not sure. 719-473-1240. Is our contact line? Chris reminded me we we're going to talk today about cold garages. This is a good time of year to talk about this. If you have a cold garage, you know garages, by their very nature, are uh, are colder uh, than the rest of the house. And if there's bedrooms, if there are bedrooms over your garage, if you have a drive under uh, with uh, bedrooms on top of your, uh, that makes those bedrooms colder. So there's some th- basic things you can do to warm up your garage many of you i know in newer houses have steel garage doors and there's nothing on the inside except nothing i mean they're just a layer of 26 gauge steel that the door is made out of but you can insulate a steel garage door you can buy insulation panels online or from the door manufacturer or dealer and you can slip insulating foam panels into the inside of your garage door and they're little plastic clips to hold them in place that is a big deal because most of you have a two-car garage 16 feet wide seven feet tall which is a big hole in the side of your garage so if you just have a simple steel door with no insulation 
it's a big deal. So uh, that's one thing you can do to warm up a, a garage. Of course, insulation of the walls. If you have no insulation or no drywall on the walls, I would sure get that done. It's cheap. You can do the insulation yourself, and you can hire somebody to put the drywall in. But insulating the entire perimeter of the, of the garage, including the door, is a good first step. And, then, of course, if you don't have a garage attic, maybe you have open rafters and trusses, you want to sheetrock the the, uh, uh, the the garage. This is for when this is just for a normal detached garage without bedrooms over the top. But if you want to warm up the garage by by closing off that open attic with drywall and you can put some insulation in the garage attic, that will warm up the garage. Even though it's not protecting the bedrooms, the warmer your garage is, the warmer the house will be because they share a great big common wall in most cases. Now, if you have bedrooms over your garage, you already have insulation and drywall in there. So every degree that you warm up your garage with insulating the walls, insulating the door, is one degree less of heat load uh, leaving the bedrooms upstairs. And so that will help warm up those upstairs uh, bedrooms. Also, supplemental heat, this makes a garage. Man, if you, if you drywall the walls of your garage, paint them with like a white primer or something, uh, and then put in some supplemental heat. That makes the garage a true man cave and a good hideout uh, for your workbenches out there. Maybe you have a TV set out there, and the garage can become much more welcome uh, in the wintertime, especially with a little heat out there. Now, there's a couple ways to add garage heat. You can do um, like tire shops do. You can hang a heater on the wall uh, or the ceiling. It can be natural gas or electric. You take your choice. If the natural gas is a lot more expensive because you got to put a pipe in, you got to put a vent in, so it's a lot more complicated. Or you can simply put in some strips of electric baseboard heat all the way around the perimeter of your garage. Doesn't take much to take the chill off the garage. Most garages this time of year are in between oh low 40s and low 50s in temperature, even overnight. Seldom do garages attached garages get much below 40. So you don't take it doesn't take a lot of electric heat to warm up a garage. That's just another idea. So, I had one other question yeah. regarding uh, if if you've got a garage and you have a bedroom up above, how much uh, insulation do you need? Because obviously we have the concerns of carbon monoxide uh, coming from the garage and everything. Is there like a certain amount that you have to have? between the the areas well if you have bedrooms over your garage you're required to put thicker drywall in. it's called a fire fire rated drywall which is five eighths of an inch instead of half inch so that protects from fire and carbon monoxide because it's totally sealed there can be no penetrations in it and the insulation it depends on the code at the time most houses have around nine to inches to 12 inches of insulation uh in that cavity it, you know the floor joists themselves kind of dictate how tall the insulation could be but uh, let me say let me start over and say six to maybe 12 inches of insulation above the garage ceiling i think on average it's more usually more like seven or eight okay so that's required drywall required totally sealed ceiling because of fire and carbon monoxide yeah so you can't really add insulation because it's full right now if the if the uh, floor joists are those man-made I-beam type floor joists, generally they can be from oh 10 inches to 12, sometimes even 14 inches. So they'll be full of insulation, uh, just chunks of insulation, not blown in. 
uh, before they sheetrock the garage ceiling. So that's an old rule of thumb. The firewall between the house and the garage has been with us for a long, long time. We want to protect living spaces because garages theoretically are a, a bigger fire source because of the uh, of the nature of what a garage is. Well, I'm a little over. We'll take a break. Be back with phone calls and email right after this. 719-473-1240 right here on Around the House. Hey, if you haven't had your furnace check this season, want to make sure you call Click Heating and Air, and they have a special around-the-house deal, 79 bucks for a full furnace service. That's a $20 discount from the usual price. Just mention you listen to the program, and you'll get that discount, 79 bucks. Keep your family safe. Get that furnace checked. And if you don't have central air at your house, my question to you is, why not? Central air is a big deal as the world's gotten a little warmer, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, I think life's too short not to have central air. New government regs have kicked in the first of this year but there's a limited supply if you can if you can get on board with click you can get a 13 sear lower priced central air conditioner 13 sear is just fine when the regs kick in and these supplies are gone you can you'll pay a thousand bucks more for central air so call click at 719 718-5425 718-5425 or clickheatingandair.com. They have a really instant uh, pricing cool website to check out. Click Heating and Air. Get central air at your house. 782-5425. Fix-it videos can be so confusing. Let Ken Moon walk you through it on Around the House. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. It's 22 minutes before the hour. Uh, shout out, oh, I forgot to do this the first hour, to our friends and neighbors in uh, Casper, Wyoming, listening on the mighty KT, KT, the mighty K2, KTW. Oh, the legacy Wyoming station covers the whole state. The blowtorch of Wyoming 50,000 watts. We're glad you're with us in Casper, and uh, we want to make sure you uh, we acknowledge you. If you want to call the show, you need to do it on a time shift basis because the show still runs at 4 o'clock up there, and we're on the air live at 1 o'clock mountain. So if you want to call in, 719-473-1240. Dick says, I have a dimmer switch in my dining room. This is interesting. It feels like it's running kind of hot. Is this something to worry about? Well, good question. Warm is okay, warm-ish. Hot is not. These switches, uh, the dimmer switches, always produce a little heat when the light is on, especially when they're less than on full, okay? Whether the heat is excessive or not is hard to say. Um, and you may, There now are solid-state dimmers with, with com- transistors and, uh, and integrated circuits in them, which run cooler. You may have an old rheostat style, like a like a volume control and a radio uh, that they run a little higher temperature. Um, And so I can't really tell from an email if if it's a problem or not. Why not buy a new one? What the heck? And you can get a solid state one. They're, what are they, 15 bucks, give or take, something like that. Uh, Replace it with a modern. uh, The dimmers now are sliding style up and down instead of rotating. And I think they're, they're easier to control and they're nicer looking. Um, and so I would, I would simply replace it. Warm, yeah, I say warm is okay, hot is not, and I'll leave that up to you. Sounds like a song, hot is not, but um, when you're hot, you're hot. Was that an old yeah. Jerry yeah, Reed? Hot, Jerry hot, Reed, hot, right? Hot, right. Jerry Reed song. Yep. Well, anyway, I, I, I remember a situation like that a couple of years ago where I had, we had one of those round dimmer switches, and I heard it starting to crackle. And oh, I yeah. said, that's, that's the time when you got to really switch those. No, they're not supposed to make noise, right? This, no. Yeah. <laughs> It's a, yeah, 
they see all the stuff. Somebody had a routine about that. The the, uh, uh, the they served me. Uh, listen, I can't remember. They served. Is cottage cheese supposed to make noise? That was the the punchline. He was in this bad restaurant, and he's they. <laughs> Jackie Vernon and one of those guys is cottage cheese supposed to make noise? No, dimmers are not supposed to make make noise anyway. Yeah, so yeah, that's that's a problem. You know, you don't want to mess with electric. You need to just be aware. Electric electricity is where a lot of house fires start. Where actually, I guess probably most house fires uh, start. Uh, I'm just that's just a guess, but. Um, you have to be careful. But if you've got an old dimmer, why not replace it? Just go ahead and do that. Uh, you have to, by the way, if you have LED light bulbs, and most of us have LED light bulbs throughout our houses now, certain uh, LED bulbs are dimmable and certain ones aren't. You have to look on the on the package uh, because there's a it's, a it's complicated electrical circuitry, but you have to have an LED dimmer and an LED light bulb that's compatible compatible with each other 719-473-1240 this is a good one for this time of year too debbie wants to know uh, about uh sloping garage floors um my garage floor it slopes towards the house which is a very common thing so uh, debbie says she brings her cars in with slush on them and the water collects by the house and all that she says you mentioned a product to help alleviate that what what was the product well, it's called a car mat, and these are relative. Oh, they're not cheap, but I don't know. They're uh, maybe a hundred bucks or something like that. It's like a big cookie sheet for your car to sit on. It's a, it's a rubberized mat with raised edges, so the edges are raised so the water stays put from your car, and so it keeps it off the garage floor. and And these work pretty well. The water, um, you know, if you if you come home and it's a really slushy day, and there's all this junk hanging from the uh the perimeter of your car you know the wheel wells and so on it's a good idea to get a broom and kind of whack some of that off before you get in the garage you don't want to overload the garage but if you do that drive on a car mat it'll sit there the water will melt into the car mat and stay put and then the mat overnight that will aid evaporation there'll be you know in a cool garage you don't get instant evaporation but a car mat does uh does help of course the ultimate thing and uh, our buddies, um, uh, Cracker Jack Mudjacking is one of my sponsors. I think they're starting this week, actually. Uh, Mudjacking a garage floor is the best idea, uh, Debbie, because you get the concrete slab right up into where it was to begin with. Uh, they drill two-inch holes through the concrete slab and then put a high-pressure slurry in there and just lift that baby right back up with the high-pressure. Um, you can get it done in a medium-sized garage for 1000 to maybe 2000 it just depends on how severe it is but that would be a good thing to think about mud jacking but if you can't afford that the car mat's a good idea you can also uh you could build in a, a, a kind of a bumper of your own you could get a two by four and glue it to the garage floor uh as a car bumper so your car rolls up to the two by four you caulk where the two by four is on the floor and that's like a little coffer dam that keeps water from running towards the house. That's another idea. But these cookie sheet car mats, you can find them online. I think they come in a big roll. You just unroll them, and uh, it's a pretty good idea. You can get them at various widths and, and depths depending on how big your car is. So that's, a, that's the deal with keeping water away from your house because concrete over the years does indeed um, move and shift and goes up and down and sideways and all that uh, stuff. Um, 
this is this reminds me this is an email this is uh, uh from another chris um we have two by eight floor joists in our house okay yeah so we have real wood which is older now we put man-made floor joists in houses these man-made wood girders they flex so i'm wondering if i could sister new joists next to them in the basement to stop the flexing um yeah you can a little flexing floor joists like all engineering elements you know there's an old thing if if railroad and car bridges didn't flex they'd break so a little flex is built into material steel even concrete to a certain extent not so much but wood and steel have to flex under load or they would just once they got loaded up they would just snap so a little flexing of your floor joist is kind of normal that's the way we design it and builders of course use the maximum length they can get away with because it saves it saves money uh and that's just the way builders work and i was a builder and that's of course you want the lowest price house you can you can so you try to maximize the use of your of your lumber um uh if if I would leave them alone unless it's irritating to the point where your dishes are rattling in your in your hutch in the bathroom and in the dining room. If dishes and plates and things are rattling and making noise, maybe they're flexing a little more than they should. You can you could put uh, if you want to uh, you could put another joist right alongside the one you have now. Pick the one in the center of the room do what we call sistering which is to put another joist of the same size right next to the existing one uh, you want to glue and screw the new one to the old one and the double joist of course will be stronger and they won't flex if they're tied together with glue and screws and so on and even uh, an engineer would say and i'm going to end this if you take a little bit of the load off before you put the new joist in it's a little hard to picture on the radio but if you take a post and you pick out whatever one or two floor joists in the basement that you want to add another another sister alongside and 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 jam a, a post under there temporarily to take a little of the load off the old joist put the new one in glue them and screw them together and then take the post out and that will reload the floor joist uh and uh, they'll flex together uh, and and they'll absorb the load together. Both of them will at the same time, if you know what I mean. So unload the existing old joist, put the new one in, and then uh, and then reload the double joist that you've put in. So I hope that's. It's sometimes I wish I could. This were TV, so I could diagram some of this stuff. But that's kind of the deal. Flexing floor joists a little bit's okay. A lot is not. So uh, there you. Uh, there you go. 719-473-1240. Time for a break. We'll be right back. We have a phone call on line one. We'll get to that right after this, right here on Around the House. I want to talk to you about Dutch's Home Improvement. We were talking about uh, windows for noise uh, in an earlier email. New windows, of course, are more important to save energy summer and winter. And I want you to call Dutch's Home Improvement, 719-392-1369, and ask about getting new vinyl windows on your house. You may have ugly old steel, aluminum, or wood windows from bygone decades. It's time to chuck those out and get some energy-efficient windows. You'll save money winter and summer, uh, of course, and you'll, uh, you'll have lower natural gas bills in the winter and lower electric bills when you run your A.C. in the summertime with good new vinyl windows they have the best installers in town the best brands and a lot of 
lot of brands and combinations and and uh, lines of windows to choose from at Dutchess. So give them a call or go to DutchessHomeImprovement.com. Over 30 years now, they've been your go-to folks here in town for windows, siding, patio covers, doors. Uh, and But I want to mostly talk about windows and saving energy. Call Dutchess, 392-1369. Got a fix-it problem at your house? Ken Moon is here to help. Give him a call now at 719-473-1240. That's 719-473-1240. want to talk to uh, Mike here on line one on the Around the House program. Mike, you're on the air with Ken Moon. What can I do for you? Hey, Ken, you were talking about a uh, dimmer switch. I have one of them in my kitchen, and I I really don't want it. Uh, is there any problem just this? Replacing it just with another on and off one? No, not at all. Uh, is it a three-way uh, a mic or is it just a single switch? It, it's the one I got is like that circular thing, you know. Or you no, no. I mean, is, does it? Can you control that light from more than one place or just there? Oh, it's just a, it, no. It's just right there. Just yeah. The well, one. just a, what, what a, a regular old single pole switch would be fine. Yeah, you can put that right in in place of what you got. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I didn't know if there was an extra wire because of the dimming or whatever. No, it, it'll okay, just be the two, the usually two black wires, or maybe a black and a red. Anyway, you'll you can tell they're hot because uh, the the, the non hot wires are white, right? You know that. So it'd probably be two blacks or a black and a red. So just tie them together on the on your new switch and 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 put it right back together. Want to make sure you turn that circuit breaker off though first, right? Oh yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, don't need an extra shop. <laughs> no, no, exactly, yeah. So, anyway, yeah, no problem at all. All right, thanks, Ken, for your help. You got it, Mike. Good to hear from you. Yeah, that's uh, – this week, my OCD kicked in, and I went to my computer, and I typed up on Microsoft Word a uh, sticker for the inside of my breaker box with all the circuits and, the, and which one controls what. Uh, I've been putting that off for a long time. It's important to know that especially in an emergency. So I put that in there and I'm proud of it. And, um, but it does, my OCD leaks out once, once in a while. Of course, this stuff's important to me. So I have to, have to kind of do that. So anyway, uh, 719-473-1240. It's coming up to six minutes, uh, before the, uh, before the hour. Um, this is an interesting question from Gene. I think we've talked about this before, but it's good to repeat it. My, uh, Gene has a, 1987 house and he asks if i can finish the attic in my 87 house and use it for storage and some cooling equipment um probably not uh a 1987 house means you have a truss style roof trusses are fine that's what we use to hold up the plywood the shingles the snow uh and and so on which is the load of the roof load and then there's a load from the sheetrock down below and that's pretty much what the trusses were engineered for and nothing else. So they design in the load of the sheetrock down below and the load of the asphalt shingles up above, plus what's called a live load, which is snow. Uh, so many pounds, I think it's 30 pounds per square foot of snow. If you're above 7,000 feet, it, there's even a, an additional requirement. But anyway, that's what the trusses are designed for, not for any additional loading. So if you're going to put a floor up there, it's fine. But only store lightweight stuff because there is, you know, in the engine, all engineering, there's a little leeway, you know, a little plus and minus kind of thing. So suitcases, empty cardboard boxes, Christmas decorations, skis, 
anything lightweight can go up in a finished attic, but nothing heavy. You can't. You said you want cooling equipment. I doubt that you can get away with that. Uh, storage, yeah, but only lightweight stuff. One of the ways you can tell if you've overloaded uh, a, a finished attic in a trust roof system is the drywall down below will start to crack. Before it fails, it'll start to crack because it's it's just being overloaded. But no, no, you, you, you just can't overload the trusses that way unless you get them re-engineered uh, and, uh, you know, and, and then there's some repairs and modifications, not repairs, but some modifications they can make to existing trusses. But, you know, that's that's pretty expensive. So lightweight stuff, yeah, you know, all your winter coats, uh what you know you you get the idea just things that are lightweight empty boxes empty suitcases and skis and so on uh, christmas decorations uh for sure uh let's see who who's next here this is from michael do those ultrasound devices really keep bugs and mice away um the anecdotal evidence i've been doing this almost 30 years i'd say no long long term for they don't do it for very long of course it's hard to do a scientific analysis of this because they might have stayed away anyway. You know what I'm saying? But the feedback I've gotten is that the critters stay away for a while and then they come back because they get used to the vibrations, the ultrasound uh, vibrations. Um, uh, but, you know, as I say, the temperature, humidity, seasons change. They might have gone away uh, anyway. It's hard to beat good old-fashioned, humane, spring-loaded mouse traps, which are, to me, are very humane. Uh, and grocery store bug sprays, of course, to get rid of unwanted guests in your house. But no, I don't think they're worth the money because they don't seem to work very effectively, at least for, on a long-term on a long-term basis. Finally, Dennis says, is a water heater okay in a closet? Yeah, if it's an electric water heater, no problem. They can go almost anywhere, even under stairwells. They're allowed because there's not a danger of flame and fire. Uh, gas water heaters can only go in certain places because they need combustion air they need vents to the roof and they can't go under stairs and other vulnerable places um uh and so you can put water heater gas water heaters in certain closet applications if you have combustion air grills in the door uh and if they're away from bedrooms and bathrooms you can't have a gas appliance communicating with a bedroom or bathroom but water, electric water heaters yeah they can go pretty much anywhere you want to wrap an electric water heater with a blanket because it uh, does cost a lot. Here we go again. Uh, the government wants us to go all electric, but it costs four to five times more to heat a gallon of water electric than it does with natural gas, but they want us to do it anyway. How about that? Aren't you glad? So that's all she wrote for the program. Thank you, Chris Moyer and Matt McKinley, for helping out today. As always, do a wonderful job. Matt supplies me with water and cough drops, which is above and beyond his job description but it's nice of him to do it anyway check out the podcast aroundthehouse.com for the podcast uh or around uh, krdo.com website and we will see you next time god bless have a wonderful week and uh, we'll check check us out next week same time same station right here on around the house